You see, and it's it's funny because it turns out the snake was human all the time, which changes nothing. Bazinga! Except it makes Neville Longbottom a horrible monster child. I mean, he gets sexy when he's older. He does, but then he cuts the head off of an Asian woman. Oh, racism. Yeah, in a way. Harry Potter was racist all along. And J.K. Rowling was evil. (laughs) The true evil was Joe. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Not Joe. (laughs) Not Rowling. (laughs) Evil all along. Anyway, let's not slander J.K. Rowling on the podcast. Um... Yet. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in, one and all, to the big damn kist. The big My damn name kist. is uh, 14 coasters covered in jizz. <laughs> My name is Michael Kane. <laughs> and not a lot of people know that. I know that. Are you sure? I always knew. I feel like that was my best kept secret. It's like staring at a penis. <laughs> a bloody little penis. Um, welcome to Big Dumb Cast. Bloody eyes. Um, <laughs> welcome to the He's Got No Bloody Eyes cast. Yeah. Um, I choreographed all my own dance moves. This one's a track driver. That one's a turnaround. Um, if, if you've never seen, people, if you've never seen raw commentary on YouTube, please look it up. Well, we it talked was, about this on what would have been last week's episode. Yes, yes, but look it up again. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about it in the Christmas episode, maybe. Time travel again? Time travel! The time Um, travails. But it's worth watching. The time for eyes. Speaking (laughs) of time, uh, we're here over the magic of Skype. Yes. um, As panto rehearsal season has begun in four. So if we talk talk over each other, that's why. It's not because we have anything less than the utmost respect and love for each other. Bananas. (laughs) So, uh... Um, but yes, uh, but as as such, um, Matthew is in uh, Manchester, and I'm I am in still in jolly old Salford. And I'm in the Lincoln, the li- in the Lincolnshire, the Lincoln. Yeah, I like that. I, I like give give Lincoln a geometric bent. All we are saying is give Lincoln a geometric bent. Yeah, um, please do. <laughs> Did you know it's Christmas? Uh, um, no, so... no, it isn't. <laughs> Still November. <laughs> oh man, the Manchester market started on the third of November. I'm already tired of Christmas, and I'm it's not, not even December yet. That Ooh, big you know zippy actually... looking thing. You know what I actually saw um, this this last weekend? The truth that I'll, I'll talk about briefly before we get into news. Oh yeah, the Grinch. The oh. New... The new Illumination Studios Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch, because we had a small child visitor, so we took him to see a film. Nice. Um, because he wanted to see the Grinch, because he thought it was funny in the trailers when the moose, the moose, the reindeer <laughs> squirts cream out of its mouth, of its nose. Um, oh, that was the <laughs> selling point. <laughs> and that indeed, that indeed, that was funny. Um, it's co-directed by Scotty Moe, isn't it? It of, is of, co-directed of by Smodcast. Scotty Moe. It's fine. I thought so. Yeah. It's 
fine. But then I'm also a person who thinks that the Jim Carrey Grinch is fine. I think the Jim Carrey Grinch is is appalling. But I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think it's appalling. I think it's fine. I, well, I, I think it's dreadful, but I I I find it so quotable. <laughs> so I really enjoy watching it. Like it, it's sort of dreadful in that Batman and Robin kind of way. I mean, this doesn't have the new one. Doesn't have the sort of anarchic glee that um, Jim Carrey has in hmm. in his version. Um, it's it's comedy is altogether safer yeah i mean it's a you it's a you so does it tell the plot of the grinch who stole christmas or how the grinch stole christmas does it actually do the plot of the book at any point uh, kind of but it so it does kind of tell the story of the book but it wraps it up in um some sort of new characters and themes it makes cindy lou who the child of a single mother with also she's also got two uh, young twin siblings who is struggling with like so basically Cindy Lou wants to catch Santa so she can ask Santa to make her mum's life better and easier because she knows how hard it is she can see how hard it is on her mother being a single mother um, and that's what leads her on a collision course with the titular Grinch when he steals down her chimney because her house just happens to be the last one that he hits on that fateful night um but I mean, this is like spoilers for the new The Grinch. That's like <laughs> d- that's like towards the end of the film. It takes a while to get to the whole the from from the start of the Christmas heist up to the end of the movie is about twenty five minutes. So yeah. it takes it takes a while to get there. Because um, that was what was so odd about the Kerry one was that th- that book has a pretty straightforward plot. Here's oh, a guy, yeah. he lives on the edge of town, this town loves Christmas, he hates Christmas, he's really mean, he decides one year to steal all the presents and wind everyone up. Yeah, they and... go into the backstory a bit, but it's different backstory from the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, um, well, well that's what was so odd about that, they they basically, the Grinch is adapted, the, the book is adapted in the Carrey one in the first like five minutes, Yeah, and then the last 20 minutes, and the rest of it's just... Hey, these prosthetics are really fucking unnerving. Let's yes, stare they at them are. for two hours. Let's um, stare at these people who look like they're exploding from the mouth outwards. Uh, the Grinch in this is more initially sympathetic. Like yeah. he, it's it's clear earlier on that he is um, a who. He's, he's yeah, mm. uh, and isolated and bitter. Um. But because of his own choosing, um, right. and they they have the they have rhyming narration, but it's of course it's it's some of it is lifting directly from the book, and a lot of it's new. Yeah, to fit this new version of the plot. So I was gonna say, I, I mean, some of I, it works, I, some of it doesn't. I'm I'm perturbed. I mean, I get it. If you're going to adapt something that's already been adapted, this is the third adaptation of that story um, on screen. There's the original animation animated film. Um, then the live action one, and then this one. So yes. I get it. Reinterpretation is key, yes. but it's also a very basic story. It's super basic, so they so, add a so, lot to pad it yeah. out to a full runtime. And uh, some of that stuff works, and some of it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's, it's the um, Maleficent syndrome. It's like, oh, yes. well, we're, we're going to tell it, but we're going to tell it a bit different. And you're like, well, why? 
Why not just make a new story all together? It, because it's a new, it's it's a classic. Because and IP kids will come and see it. Because IP, that's why. And there's a, and there's a minion short at the start of it. So you know. Oh, it's, it's actually like a, it's actually a pretty neat, um, like comedy, like physical comedy piece with two minions chained to an escapee from the chain gang, evading, <laughs> evading the police. It's it's not bad actually. God damn it! Um, God damn it! You've been they've taken you. I've always liked the minion stuff. Right, that's it. Crack open his medicine. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Drink so it down. Yeah. Hold his nose. I'm, we're not going to get into a big review of it, but the new Grinch is fine. Take small children to see it if you have any or know any or are any. If you are small children, no. What are you listening to this for? You. St- Naughty, naughty people. But also, um, here's a new word for you to learn: cunt. <laughs> Tell your mum and dad. Um, okay, <laughs> I didn't say that. Just to clarify, I didn't say those words. And uh, well, the Grinch isn't the only thing that I saw this this week gone that was fine. Oh, let's talk about the first trailer for John Favreau's quote. Why? Live action? Unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly live action, The Lion King. What do you think of the new trailer for The Lion King, Chris? Oh, those shots look familiar. Should we just watch (laughs) the original? Yeah. Oh. I love Jon Favreau as a director. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the movies that he has made that I have laid my eyes upon with my peepers, but I just... I. I know why he's been put on this one because he did Jungle Book and he did an astounding yes. job. And they they obviously began pre production and whatnot and went right, John. We'd like you on board. You brought those animals to life and made it work and told a great story with them. The and also between... they got made him do it because they're never going to get around to making that Magic Kingdom movie that he's been talking about making since he left. Oh yeah, since after he did Iron Man two. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> they've got so they've got so many amazing projects that these amazing directors want to make. But no, I mean, they just want to remake their live action, their, their animated stuff as live action. Yeah, because, and the thing is, it's because Maleficent did so well, and then Cinderella gave a good return. Yeah, critically, Maleficent isn't very good. No, it isn't. It really isn't. And, and Cinderella is fine. Um, it's just a live action version of that classic story that isn't a twist on it. You know, because like every version of, of every version of, including a Cinderella story from the last like fifty, sixty years, has been like a modern twist or a spin. Yeah. So yeah, okay. There's kind of a, a gap for the Kenneth Branagh Disney uh, Cinderella because it's like, oh, we get, yeah, we get to see the classic version of the story in live action made by modern filmmaking. Okay, cool. That's great. Lovely. Yeah. Jungle Book makes sense because we now have the technology to make that world look real. Yeah. And it looked spectacular. And the only thing that felt odd was when a couple of the songs randomly appeared because it made you go, huh? Yeah, because what? they were all in weird forms. Yeah, but it was also the fact there was just two of them. Yeah. Like one 50 minutes in and one like an hour and a half in. You're like, I, what's, huh? Vast so is it, strange. Is, is, Vast it a mu- strange. is it a musical? Don't worry, we'll stick another one in the credits. Doesn't count. Like, either <laughs> go, go full musical or, or don't make it a musical. Like, And, and obviously that one was tonally tried to be a bit more like the books and but it used sort of the the character statuses of the disney movie so like you know Shere khan was this and car was this and king louis was this and blue was this blah 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 blah. so but fair enough like wow this is the first time we get to see a live action jungle book movie that looks impressive as all hell 
that's but is that, great. Is that something anybody... I mean, I guess that's not a good metric for judging whether a movie should be made or not, is whether it's, oh, if it's something some, anyone wanted. Yeah, that we can never but, do, We can never really... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen um, so many movies I didn't know I wanted, but... Uh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, it was at least like a, oh we're doing a live act, a remake of the Jungle Book in live action. Yeah. Oh well, I'm interested to see how you pull that off. Um, and then Beauty and the Beast, a a, a a version that tries to be smart in quotation marks and correct still plot holes is so. terrible. It tries to correct plot holes of the original, um, but at the same time creates a whole batch of new ones and tonally is just cold and. And not very good. Uh, it's just it's shite. Like it reinf- that one reinforces how perfect the Disney animation one was. So the fact they're still going ahead with this is nuts. We're getting three of them next year. Oh we're yeah, we're getting, getting three. Aladdin, Lion King, and what's the other one? Dumbo, Mulan. Oh no, Dumbo, no, Dumbo. Mulan, Mulan. Uh, we're still waiting for an official announcement, but that's been in development for like four years. Yeah, so that has yeah. got that has got to be now. And that one, yes. I'd love to see Mulan because in a in a cinematic landscape that is finally catering to protagonists that aren't just handsome white males in their twenties and thirties, I would gladly freaking welcome the story of Mulan in live action. Yeah, don't go musical. I'm sorry, guys. That means no cricket or Mushu. Um, <laughs> sorry, everybody. But if you want that version, there's the 1998 animated one. Go yes. and watch it. But like a live action version of Mulan would be incredible. Imagine the fight with the Hun and everything at the end on the snowy mountainsides and stuff like but, that. That'd look gorgeous. And also it'd be great. Yeah. An excuse to have a, the, if but you if you're cast, not having you the Mulan songs, right, you, you have an androgynous actor in the lead. That'd be really you, cool. If you're not having the songs, what about the training montage? Well, I'm sure someone can non ironically say, well, you must be swift as a coursing river. <laughs> Mm. All the force of a great type. Eh. I mean, mm. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was the first one of these that was just straight up. Oh yeah, we're gonna do all the songs that you remember, and a few new ones. And it just made me go, why am I not? Why am I not watching the original? Why am I not watching the original? Why aren't you watching the original? Well, I will right now. That's it, everybody, for this week. We'll all uh, right. catch you all later. See you later, um, folks. The, uh, you'll notice the runtime of this runs for another 90 minutes. Uh, That's because um, we want you to also now just play Beauty and the Beast yeah, and watch just, it in the background. Just go and watch Beauty and the Beast. We're not going to do a commentary. We're just going to yeah. watch it. <laughs> oh. But all the same, yeah, Lion there's King. There's going to be a lot of that. Uh, Lion King announced its cast first. Yes. Which, which was smart because it made us all go, shit, that is a big caliber of talent you've got there. That is an amazing pool of people involved in this yeah. project. Yeah. Um, and James Earl Jones in a weird announcement, because James Earl Jones is phenomenal. But again, if I want to hear James Earl Jones play Mufasa, it Just already watch exists. The original. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and it's what's weird. weird is in this trailer you hear his it's his voiceover, he's the only voice you hear. Yeah. And my little voice acting ears tell me that the first half of his dialogue in this trailer because it's word yeah. for word dialogue we've heard before. Yeah. The first half of this dialogue is recording from the original. Okay. And then halfway through, it changes to the new. Um, oh, like they did with Mark Hamill for um... Last Jedi. Yeah. 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 Um, oh no! It was. Oh, was it Force Awakens? I can't remember now. I think it was Last Jedi. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's it's you need to. 
You need to give it a listen. You'll notice his voice shifts ever so slightly and he sounds much more like current James Earl Jones. Like this, old as balls. Yeah, the same way when you watch if you watch, if you do the back to back thing and watch Rogue One and then Star Wars, like he sounds older in Rogue One. It's unmistakably him, but he sounds older. Yeah. Um because James Earl Jones is older, guys. <laughs> like he just is. He played Mufasa twenty five years ago, so you know. Um it's uh mm, it looks pretty. Yeah. I mean it, it, I mean it looks, looks like pretty. a bunch of animals. Yeah, and they, which they look is uh, that's the look... tricky bit. Like how are you gonna make that Um how are you gonna if there's no human characters to empathize with and you're not making like making some sort of halfway point of, of human characteristics in the animal designs, then mm. how is it gonna play to an audience yeah disney have done this twice before um with the the lesser remembered the wild okay um which i think was about the animals of manhattan zoo breaking out and it came out the same year as madagascar in one of those creepy one of these studios one of these studios has tried to fuck the other one over instances it was Um, probably disney Probably, but Madagascar won out. I hate that movie, but they've got likable faces and funny characteristics and cartoon visuals. So, yeah, like you're already saying, you can tell more stories with that, with animals. But the other time Disney did it was Dinosaur in the late 90s. Um, Do you remember Dinosaur? No. Congratulations, you are like 99% of the population of this planet. Um... Oh no, I do. do you, I vaguely remember. It can was, you, it, now I've said it. You're picturing Aladar, the main character, aren't you? The iguan, the big iguanodon, the the massive green fellow with a long face. Yes. Yeah. You yes. remember? You're remembering the Burger King toys. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't go that far, but yes, because <laughs> that's what I remembered for years. I was like, "What is this from?" Oh yeah, that film we saw. I mean, I I kind of judge most of my my memories in terms of Burger King toys. The Lion oh, McDonald's King, toys. Their Lion King toys from the 90s were amazing. The Burger King yeah. Lion King toys were just action figures. I'm going to say it. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> the fast food tie-in toys were better in my day. Yep, like this penguin with his nose in a lady's oh, coach or whatever. mate. That's a whole thing. Oh, God. Batman but- Returns one. Oh, <laughs> just the worst. It's um, happy meal. But yeah, like, Dinosaur... Is uh, I mean, to this day, it's remembered for two things. One, a weird ride in Animal Kingdom that makes people go, wait, was this a film? And two, <laughs> I mean, it's a really good ride. It's fast-paced and really scary, but still. And, um, but was it a film? Uh, it, it's just, it, it bloody moves around! Um, it moves! An animatronic gets really close to your fucking face. It's creepy. Um, oh, you and, love it, don't you? And, <laughs> but number two, it's just remembered as being... <sighs> Not that memorable, and it's because there's only so much you can do to emote uh, an animal. They make yeah, an animal because they emote don't in a film. One of the um, thing, one of the key things that separates animals from humans is that they don't <laughs> have human fucking features. Yeah. Now there are animals that clearly emote, and and you can form a bond with an animal over time, and you get to you get to understand its, you know, its feelings. You can sort of sense how it's feeling. You know, if it's a bit upset, if you have a pet, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I don't think they're very well. They seem a bit off today. Yeah, usually because they're leaving big sloppy shits in the litter box. But <laughs> <laughs> oh god, before I went away, Dolly did this puke. My fireworks Aww. were going. My fireworks were going off, and it was freaking her out. And oh. she just sort of, she just sort of went. 
Oh, and, no! And then she opened her mouth and just slowly walked backwards and left this, like, <laughs> ten centimetre long pile on the floor. <laughs> it was like, how do you have that much room inside you? Never she mind, was... how did you make it all? She was propelled by her own vomit. Oh, it was magical. It was, it was, like, <laughs> a, it was like a creepy production line. And then she just sort of looked at it and went, yep, and walked off. That is... Such a cat move, and that's her review of the Lion King trailer. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's going to be tough. I, the voice again, don't doubt the voice caliber. Donald Glover as Simba, adult Simba, I'm presuming. You know, um, yeah. she would tell us you for a scar. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce Knowles as Nala. All right, fair enough. Hopefully, uh, Nala's sort of given uh, more to say this time around. Maybe, but yes, yeah. You know, John Oliver's Zazu. That's a pretty decent recast. Um, yeah. Uh, so Seth you know. Rogen? Seth Rogen as Pumba, yeah. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a good cast, but I'm just like, eh. And eh? it's just, it's a trailer, it just shows nothing. Like, it's a, but it's, it's like originals, scenes from the original reframed with real, well, I say real, real looking <laughs> CGI animals. Yeah, in real um, environments and CGI environments. Voiceover that we've heard before from. An actor uh, who's James back in one of those weird instances of, oh, we'll just bring them back. That yeah. rarely, that rarely ever happens. The only, the only other time that springs to mind immediately for me is M in Bond. Like they reboot, yeah. So they they keep Judy Dench. But I mean, Bond is one of those that reboots every few films anyway. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. But like the Daniel Craig ones make a clear thing of being, oh yeah, we we are not carrying on from anything you've already watched. Like we are starting fresh completely. Until they do. Um, yeah, well, until, well, until Skyfall <laughs> murkies the waters, but then Spectre reaffirms that it's a brand new continuity, and also Spectre's um, not very good. Yeah, yeah, uh, y- yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that true, that true. But like Judy Dench in that is she's essentially played two alternate versions of the same character because they're like we don't want to lose her. She's great, so she's in this as well. Um, and that's the case busy. with James Earl Jones. Well, James Earl Jones—they've obviously gone. The voiceover's too iconic. We can't drop him. We, need, we we've got to bring him back. So, well, that shits on everybody else, doesn't it? By saying, "Oh, you lot, yeah, no, we don't care about you lot." Yeah, but also it means it's not completely new. It, it's it's weaponized nostalgia, and not in the Pokemon Detective Pikachu kind of way. Oh, this was never not about nostalgia, though. Oh yeah, the, the main reason I'm upset about this, I love me some Disney, and there are some of these films I would love to see live action twists on. Um, but it upsets me because think of all that original shit they could be creating. Like they could be turning out that one or two original live action property a year. And then you get something that strikes gold and it's like, oh my God, this connects with people. This is a story that's not been told before in any way. Um, as far as I'm aware, the last one of those we're going to get from Disney, um, at the moment is, uh, the Nutcracker in the Four Realms, the one that's about to come out. Yeah, problem what the with that, hell even is that movie? Well, that's the problem. It it it's it's coming to the end of another thing that Disney and a few other studios have done a lot of lately, which is massively green screened um, Narnia esque worlds. And they've just done that a lot. I mean, Nutcracker in the Four Realms, Tomorrowland, um, fucking Oz the Great and Powerful. Like, do you know what I mean? They've they've been yeah. doing a lot of those recently, where they all have this weird kind of slight sepia tone to the. The, the the film's colour. And it's like, oh, look at these, oh, all big, elaborate CGI, oh, isn't this incredible, oh, what? And it's like, maybe do some live-action stuff that isn't 
all in a green screen studio for a bit. Yeah. And focus on some story and then add spectacle to your story and create something new. Don't just do three. I mean, for Christ's sake, three of these next year. Three. I don't think out of the three there are any I really want to see. They're all more, we'll go on. Like, we'll go give it a go. See what yeah. it's like. But there's none of them I'm like, oh my God, I want to see that. Mulan, yes. Jungle Book, two years prior, yes. Um, but it, I think we've talked about this before. On Twitter, there was a thing good doing the rounds where people said, here's an idea. If you're going to do this, do it to your less successful animated features. Yeah. So, Sword in the Stone. Live action would be pretty interesting if it had that sense of humour to it. Yeah, uh, maybe. Black Cauldron, absolutely. Oh, mate, I'd love to see Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron live action would be astounding. We've had a million Tarzan movies, but if it's done with the same warmth of their animated one, that could be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. But to- top of the list for me is Atlantis The Lost Empire. Well, of course it's at the top of the list for you, because you, you heart that movie. I love that movie so much. Forget your jammies, Mrs. Packard. I sleep in the nude. You might want to wear these. She sleepwalks. Nice. <laughs> so good. I got your four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. It's so good. That sounds, um, that sounds like something I could get behind. <laughs> it's great. And these movies are, they are beautiful. And they are voice acted spectacularly. And they're animated gorgeously. And you don't need to remake them. But if you're gonna, remake the ones that people don't remember as well. And give them a new spin. Give them new life. Um, Treasure Planet. Treasure Treasure Planet is something I didn't watch for years. And then when Lucy and I finally watched it together for the first time, like five years ago, we went, why have we never watched this before? This is amazing. Um, so mm. do that. You know what I mean? Like, go go back into them. But then friend of the show, John Granston, made a wonderful statement a few, uh, few weeks back when we were talking he about this. That. He does that. He does. He, make, he makes quite a few. He's a good one, really. Uh, he's a John Stradamus. He said... Um, <laughs> he said... Uh, he said, why why do that? Why not take some of their live action films from the 70s and 80s and remake them as animations? What, like The Black Hole? Uh, Freaking uh, Blackbeard's Ghost, mate. Oh. Herbie, uh, yeah. the, love, the Love Bug. If you're going to do another Herbie movie, animate the shit out of it. What? Was Herbie fully loaded not enough for you? <laughs> Oh God! Oh, Forgot about that. Hadn't now you? I'm just now I'm just picturing Robot Chicken Lindsay Lohan in a Herbie movie. This I didn't do the speeding. Um, so there's that. But you know what I mean? Like, as an excuse to do stuff like that would be amazing. Like I think Homeward Bound was a Disney release. Like do Homeward Bound as an animation. Things well, like that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean get it out of that '90s trench of. We're going to film animals and add voiceover to varying degrees of success for a decade. Well, I mean, this new Lion King seems like it's just a high-tech version of that. If they told the, the new Lion King without words, <gasps> that would be amazing. No one would see it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? But like, if they did it wordlessly and it was all told through visuals... That would be like no okay. I'm game for that experiment. That sounds cool. But, I mean, it could mm. it would it, it could well be great, but no one would watch it mm. unless it was narrated by David Attenborough. Oh, and here the evil camp lion uncle man the is throwing the king into the wildebeest stampede. Oh. He's going to be in charge for a bit. But then it'll be eaten. As such is life. And now, 
The meerkat hangs out with the lion, and the lion doesn't eat him. What a pussy. Um, it's the so... circle of life. And yeah. it moves us all. <gasps> oh my god, that's it! You have Attenborough narrate it, but he narrates it with the dialogue and the songs. Yes. yes. So he just performs The Lion King verbatim as a documentary script. Through despair and hope, <laughs> through faith and love. Until <laughs> we I... find a place on the path unwinding. <laughs> it's the circle. The circle of life. When I was a young warthog. <laughs> oh, God. No, we're missing a trick here. We're missing a trick. Film opens. You get the logos. Yeah. There it begins. The red rim of the sunrise peering over the distance. And as it hits the sky, the first note strikes. Not city <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, the whole time he's in the corner, vision good. in vision, just dressed in like sort of big African throws in a I voice like booth. <laughs> I like where this is going. Hire us, oh. Digney. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. Well, from a pile of shit, possibly. Pile of shit. To... Um, shelves covered in shit, and <laughs> and <laughs> living shit tendrils. Oh, um, let's let's have a little catch up, Matthias. Yeah, we have got a couple of episodes of that seventy um, show, that venerable TV television <laughs> show on the Bibbeth. <laughs> Doctor Huang. She's a witch. The village dunk her for being a witch. She's a witch. What a dirty witch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so Kablam, which was episode seven of this series, which is basically what Black Mirror Amazon, um, but Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble wrap. Good, it? bubble wrap the movie uh it was oh, pretty damn the great bubble wrap yeah love it um it's continuing the trend of um household cute, objects yeah household objects being i honestly thought they were going to do autons but they didn't yeah i was getting that vibe early on actually i, I thought when they went mm. so spoilers for kabam if you haven't seen it but if you haven't seen it and you're watching this show then you'd definitely in the minority amongst uh watching this show <laughs> listening to this show then you're definitely in the minority amongst our audience um so when they do the reveal towards the end that the bubble wrap itself is the weapon i thought they were going to go all terror of the autons on it yeah for a moment exactly. and i was like they lied to us about no past villains um but they didn't and it was fine um because <laughs> they continue in the trend of the real villain is the real monster is people, which, as you know, as theming as you know, connective themes go for a series isn't bad, uh, and it's kind of relevant to uh, the time we are now. It's, I think, the new series of Who is it, it, a good show for its time, um, in a way that the show hasn't been for a while. It's more relevant than the show has been uh, for a bit of time. Uh, so. 
that was cool. The concept of, again, that sci-fi concept of robots doing all the work mm. and the idea that in the future we'll have to have sort of quotas for human workers in companies because there's just nothing for anyone to do. Um, that, again, is relevant for this time because the increase in automation um, is is real. The threat is real. Um, <laughs> I'm just so, waiting for the episode about self-service checkouts that go on a murderous rampage. I mean... We'd have had that one already if this moth uh, and it would have been hit. Uh, so unexpected yeah, like item here. in bagging area. Your it... skull. Oh, actually, that's not bad. <laughs> Add it to the B movie list. That's not bad. <laughs> Paper or plastic? Oh my god. <laughs> Oh god! Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I liked. I, I thought it had some neat concepts. I like the. I like the bloodthirstiness of it, mm. where it's just like, oh yeah, this this sweet this sweet girl, and they've set up a. We spent some time developing her, and you know we set up this this sort of relationship with one of the characters. Oh, surprise! He's the villain, and she's dead. Yes, that was really nicely done. That was really, really nicely done. No and, fake and out. There's no oh teleported out at the last minute. No, she's just dead. And it was creepy as well because it 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 means that uh, the Wajibu characters, the, the system, yeah, the the uh, the robots weren't evil. Like they were, they no, were, no, ma- no, no. they were merely a tool in this guy's job. Um, sort of so, getting so, robots of death vibes from it as well. Yeah, oh, and and also wasn't uh, there was a whole thing wasn't there of things being powered by the remains of the people yeah. that had gone downstairs. That's gross. That's proper gross. Yeah. Um uh but what yeah, I was going to say robots of death, voyage of the damned, that kind of vibe I got from this one from the yeah, robots. Definitely. The voice was wonderful. The fact that at no point did they sound remotely threatening. They just sounded no. pleasant the whole time. It was great. Um, Great and wasn't, conversation, and wasn't, guys. Wasn't, wasn't really played for creeps, was it? It wasn't played for scariness. It was just to make you go, "Only, oh, oh, all right, mate, okay." <laughs> only when, oh, well, only when it was necessary. Yeah, like it wasn't. Yeah, it was only when when it was actually meant to be creepy. Um, um, can can um, can Julie Hesman Harsh be in everything, please? I can't think of of anything I've seen her in ever that isn't Corey. Really? I can't, I can't think of what uh, I've seen. But, uh, Cucumber. Did you see Cucumber? Oh, I only saw a bit of it. She's um, excellent in Cucumber. She's just yeah. lovely. She's just always bloody lovely. It's and, one of those and... things I need to go back and watch. But yeah, I, she was great in this. Um, and Graham continues to steal the fucking show. Oh, God. Bradley Walsh, man. Um, <laughs> he just continues to be great. Um, oh, that, and, was, yeah. that was one of my favourite things as well. In, in hindsight, I don't think they spell it out in the episode... But in hindsight, because you realise the distress signal was sent by the machinery, it was sent by the factory. Yeah. To to pardon me to uh, to you know no, try and I stop the plot because it wasn't able to. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't able to do it itself because it, it's an automation, but it sent out a message, and it wasn't a person who was in danger. It was the system saying, "Please help." Yeah. Um So it sent it. It managed to get it sent. It sent it to the TARDIS. So somehow, obviously, she'd ordered the Doctor had ordered implying that she'd ordered it in her 11th incarnation, um, had oh, ordered yeah. a fez. Yes, 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 a um, fez. 
Again, subtle nod. Like, it's there. If you know the 11th Doctor, you go, oh, he ordered it. That's cool. And that's about it. But, you know, they don't hold on it. Because she says something like, Did this, does it still work? Does it still work for me or whatever? It was like, ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, so the TARDIS is on Kablam's, like, database, which is such a wonderfully weird thought that even that yep. delivery service can deliver to the TARDIS if it's in a certain part of the universe. Transdimensional delivery. But then the fact that it, it, it sent the message not out to everyone, the message went to her. Yeah. And what was her? What was she meant to do at Kablam? What was her like pass that she'd been given a thing for? She was meant to be the, the, the janitor, uh, yeah, janitor. And she switches with Graham because she obviously wants to get into the floor to find out who's in danger. But think about that. The, yeah. the, the system is so good, isn't it? The system's just yeah. like the bad guy is over here. Please go and stop him. But you know they weren't to know that. I thought that was genius. I thought that was really really cool. It's it was a smart piece of writing. And some nice casting um, as well. Like everybody yes. in it was very, very. Everyone was who they were meant to be. I can't remember who the actor was who played the the sort of the boss, but he was essentially playing your your eighties. Um, oh yeah, author- yeah, authoritative dick like character, and he did it really well. And Lee Mack as well, in in quite a small role considering yeah. how much they played him up in the trail and everything. But that but that know, played in its favor. Of... That played in its favor. That's the kind of celeb casting you used to get in Doctor Who, which is like this person's going to play a small role in this episode and. That's just going to be a thing. Don't worry about it. It's not distracting. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. Um, but also, it kind of fools you into thinking that. Oh, he's going to oh, stick around for a little bit. Yeah, which was but nice. Nope. I, I like the I like version one of the the system and the software and everything. Yes. Just being this happy little sort of like you know for the system settings, press one and all this. It's like that's fantastic. Yeah, it's that's it, so good. Yeah, um, really neat. It was just it was just pleasantly creepy. And a proper baddie death as well. Like I think, I think it's the first time that the baddie didn't get away. Oh, you love that, don't you? Yeah, you love a bit of. I want to kill the baddie. Well, no, ah. just like because because he 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 was definitely a villain in a grey area, but he was ultimately a terrorist. I mean, not that grey. He killed a whole bunch of people. <laughs> oh no, no, no! But I mean, like they really play up why he's doing it, and they make yes you get yeah, why yeah. he's doing it. But he, he, he's a, he was a terrorist and he'd taken lives and he was planning to take hundreds of thousands more. Yes, so, yeah. not a good person. Um, no. But but I think this is I think this is the first villain that didn't escape this year. Yeah. Um, what was that the, sounds what, right. What was the week before? Before Kablam? Uh, it was Demons of the Punjab. Okay, yes, so there wasn't... I guess the villain kind of escapes in the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but... But there had been a thing where, like, the intergalactic element had had gone on to live another day, or escape, or go and seek help. Um, yeah, yeah, they didn't really have that in uh, in Demons of the Punjab. No, um, the uh, the alien characters were just observers, really. Yeah, and so. uh, it, didn't, it didn't happen in Kablam. So the theory that's going on that all of these elements are going to tie in in the last one. Um, well, we'll have to wait and see because yeah. the synopsis has come out for the last episode. Yeah. Um, and again, it doesn't give anything away like any of them really do, but no. it, it suggests that it, it opens with like nine separate distress calls from around the universe require the doctor and friends immediate attention. So you're like, huh, nine, distress, nine, nine distress calls, nine episodes, each one with a thread left hanging. Well, Daleks confirmed! Now we've had a couple without a thread left hanging, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. what it means. Uh, I really enjoyed Kablam, but I think I e- enjoyed even more so... Oh, yes. ...the, the following offering. Um, <laughs> the Witchfinders. Oh, 
Mate. Just. <laughs> like, hmm, what can we do to make this season really fun? Well, we've got this episode. We want to make it really fun and kind of terrifying at the same time. I know we'll have um, mud tentacles possessing corpses and we'll make it all about witch hunting and fanaticism. Um, and also we'll have Alan Cummings playing James the First in his fruitiest, fruitiest full voice. Oh my God, the voice. Like, the voice. Just... Like once, once he started talking, I did a double take because I was like, does he, does Alan Cummings know that this is a drama? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At first I, yeah, I was just like, is, does, also... he, does he think this is a sketch show? Does he think he's guesting on Horrible Histories? Like, what what's going on? And the fact that it was a commitment and he freaking went for it, I'm so delighted yeah. he did because it was one of the most memorable things this series. Because also you get that really great... Jo- I mean, you, you have Alan Cummings in your, as a guest in your series. It's going to be one of the most memorable things in your series, let's be honest. Very true, very um, true. But um, there is that great juxtaposition between all the like straight-up evil shit he's saying and mm. in this sort of fruity musical... Um, Somewhat Scottish brogue, somewhat um, upper class, uh, toff yes. voice, and it's yeah. just brilliant. Especially when you you put that against all the all the northerners yeah. in Pendle Hill. Yeah, well, oh god, it. that was that was amazing because it was it, it basically was going into the Pendle witch trials and all that stuff. Yeah, um, so a very very dark period in Britain's history, like a very dark period um, where you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people were killed over many, many years accused yeah. of something that essentially, when once accused of it, the tests were like the one we saw in the episode. Like You either proved you were a witch by surviving a deadly trial and then yeah. you were killed. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, so the, I, I imagine there were people who survived those trials by the skin of their teeth and then were murdered because it was like, well, you obviously survived because you're a witch. Kill them. Or they yes. died, and as far as everyone was concerned, they were they died a noble cause because they were proved to be children of God, and everything was all right now, and they're in a better place. So yeah, basically, the, sure. the moment the moment someone accused you of being a witch, you were dead essentially. Yes, like that. It's it's horrific. It is. Um, it is a th- fucking horrible period of history. And I think they nailed it in terms of like getting that tone about, about that weird thing of it. It's such a normal aspect of public life in some places, yeah. like the fact that. Oh, yeah, we've got a witch trial today, so we're going to have a small festival. Like, we're going to celebrate because we're either going to uh, save someone's soul and send them to God, or we're going to kill a witch. So we're going to have a lovely time. All right, straight faces out. Straight faces on, everybody. We've got to go watch the uh, murder take place. It's just yeah. like, whoa. And the doctor and I- does not shy away from straight up calling it murder. Well, that's what's fascinating. This is one of those few instances where the doctor has just interfered. Yeah. It, like, straight up into cannot interfered. sit by and watch this woman drown. Yeah. Like, knowing that there's going to be consequences. And that was yeah. brilliant, because it said a lot about this Doctor. This is a very... As the series has gone on, she's become a little bit more... Um, sort of fleshed out in terms of what this Doctor's personality is. I think this episode was really good for that in general, because she gets yeah. some really good... Um, meaty uh, speeches and bits of dialogue. Some meaty with, chunks. Uh, particularly with... <laughs> Uh, good old James the First, and also with uh, oh, what's the, Willa, the young last Willa. Yes, oh, that was great. That stuff and, was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just magic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was magical, um, and 
don't burn me at the, for a witch. Uh, please. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, and it it got it got the creepy when it needed to get the creepy. Yeah, um, um, I was I was slightly miffed that it was a it was a bit it was a bit recycled. Once I thought about it, the the, the aliens' method of transportation was recycled. Oh it, yeah, it was it was the Gelf. It, yes. it, it was it was the we will occupy the dead to um oh, oh, we can we can also do it to the living because like you know that's that's part yeah. of Sneed and and I'm quite dead so it's like oh we've seen that but still can't deny the idea of corpses getting out of their graves because they're being piloted that's quite creepy that was it a is, diff- that was a different creepy. that was a different visual from Unquiet Dead because Unquiet Dead was they hit them in the funeral home they hit them in yeah. the, the you know the mortuary so like they look resplendent they look like people. And and then they just you know they're all glowy and blue and and then in this version it was yeah no they're gonna claw their way out of the freaking ground yeah and, and start also it, chasing a, and the voice was creepy as sin as an old school X Files fan yeah like seeing people leaking oil from the eyes oh was, yeah was, oh was a lovely uh, yes. was a lovely bit of visual yeah. nostalgia um and just it was again it was a, it was a great idea and and this it gave this episode that thing that i've been mithering about for ages you ready boys and girls it's time to take the relief shot here we go we got a baddie baddie oh yes we got a boohis villain we had we had a race of evil bastards specifically a a monarch and and their army trapped within an alien space prison disguised as a tree fantastic like long before they ever thought there'd be like a species walking around on the planet to notice and interfere um who Silly were locked aliens. up who were locked up for being violent and horrible and they're out and they're going to start again um so that made me very happy like they didn't they didn't try to make though cuz again i yes you're right in our modern times we do need gray villains we need gray area villains cuz we know things aren't as simple as black and white anymore in terms of you know good evil this that, and the other it's not like that yeah. and it's not even just that but it's also like mm. And uh, one the, of the, the neat themes of this of this series has been making making it so that the other is not the vil- is not the bad guy, not yeah, to be it, feared. Yeah, but uh, at the not... same time, oh, oh yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, like I don't care what form the baddie comes in, I did, I just fancied a boo his baddie. You did, and, and, and we've got him. And we've, to be fair. we've had a, we've had a couple now. We've had Tim Shaw. We've had Crasco. Tim Shaw. We've had Tim Shaw. We've had Crasco, and we've had. Um, what the hell? What the hell? These things were called the Corax or the, something. Morax. 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 Yeah. Morax. So, Morax. So less axe. Just about the right <laughs> enough. Just about the right amount of axe. So we've had we've had a couple of proper boo his baddies and actors actors who managed to managed to get their teeth quite literally in one case into a part that is you know just oh yeah I'm going to be the thing that that kids hide behind the sofa because of I'm going to be the I'm going to be the monster yeah. that that people who grow up with this series go oh my god yeah when I saw that as a kid it shit me up so I'm 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 it I'm filled delighted. you with its king oh my, there's going to be so much there's if there isn't already there is going to be so many memes and stuff using that for filthy filthy gain there has I to be I will fill you with my king Oh my god! But just like the face and the tendril and that image of a broken tree stump with this sort of Lovecraftian like protuberance wriggling around out the top of it. Oh, it was great! It was, it was bloody so grim. Good. I loved it. And Jody getting the best fucking line of the series. Honestly, if I was still a bloke, I wouldn't have to waste so much time defending myself. Yep. <laughs> it's like boom. There we go. Hello. How's that for a statement of intent? Hello, beautifully sewn in commentary on the culture around this show and culture at large. Yeah. Well done. 
That's how it's done. And it's Sci-fi just a, and it's being just a, socially relevant. And it's just a throwaway line from the Doctor in a moment where she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so well done. And uh, and again, like, I looked into it. I was like, so what was with um, what was with King James's sort of subtle suggestion, not so subtle maybe, suggestion of Ryan at the end that he was a little bit, oh. he was a little bit more, more than fond of him. Um, yeah, you look into it. There is speculation on King James's sexuality, um, and uh, they obviously decided, well, we'll play on that. He was well, a king. He yeah. probably just had whatever he wanted. Whoever but he, he wanted, but he, was all, but he, he wanted. But he was also a very devout man of God with his own version of the Bible. So oh, yeah, well, so I'm sure he. Uh, it, it would it would have been very repressed or secret. Yeah, I'm sure he um, agonized about it in private. <clears throat> but also um, uh, a little a little less, less Yaz than I would have liked after last week her being a lot more proactive I would have liked a bit more Yaz but I get it it's a cast of four they can't all have equal billing every week in every story no. and they do they do they do have the thing where that I've liked so far throughout the series where everyone has a job Yes, yeah, and yet Yaz, what was the name of the, the village girl, the one that... Willa. Was, Willa, um, Yaz's scenes with Willa were really, really good. So it was like, yes, she's there, it's just... Um, um, uh, what's it? Uh, Dimmy, Samantha, on Twitter, she put down that uh, it, it's... A lot of these stories do feel, and a lot of the stories from the last five years do feel like they should be two-parters. Yeah. And, and I think it would be nice to see that next series so we could get to spend equal time with our four main cast members, you know, touch yeah. wood that they're all still around in that series. That'd be nice. Like, it would be nice to spend another year with this lot, at least one more year. It'd be very cool. Um, so, yes. Uh, don't it'd be listen nice. to the rumours, Chris. Oh, oh, don't. No, I will put it this Well, if you read the press announcement about the New Year special... Um, you'll realise that one of the rumours about characters' stories and where they might end and stuff definitely isn't true. So so there you go. Minor spoilers, everyone. But, um, yeah, I really liked The Witchfinders. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was it was very, very good. It was eerie and, and just daft. And, and also, uh, my new favourite thing about this year's Doctor Who isn't even the show anymore. You know Doctor Who poop. Right, the YouTube channel and Twitter account. Uh, yeah. They're the guys who did the... Remember I showed you the the, the, the... the version of Time of the Doctor where he's just naked. He's just... Clara! Yes. Like, yeah. And at the end, yes. he, t- the end he turns into a, it's Capaldi and it's the fuckity bye and you see it get kicked out the door and stuff. Um, they've been doing loads of clips with that shot of Graham from The Woman Who Fell to Earth on the hill where he's just giving Ryan the thumbs up. Like... <laughs> They've been putting that into so much, but the best ones on their Twitter at the minute. And it's that scene from An Adventure in Space and Time at the very end where Hartnell's about to go for the last take and he's at the console. And he's obviously contemplating the weight of, like, has any of this meant anything? Like, you know, does this matter? Like, am I just being, am I being a silly old man? And he looks up and sees Matt Smith. And it's that moment which made more sense and more of an impact in the 50th year. But the idea was you know, your mark on this is indelible. Like, it's, it is never going away. You started something that will live on for decades. Yeah. And it's a lovely, sweet moment. Well, they've edited it so that he looks up, there's that lingering shot of Bradley's face, and it just cuts to Graham on the other side of the console, giving him the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so well done. He's like, go on, my son. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh, I'm so, oh, Graham. Just Graham. Graham. So I rate those two episodes, uh, Graham out of Graham. Seven, um, James the First's 
ridiculous accents out less of, <laughs> out of out of uh, out of five. Seven lessies out of Satan. <laughs> love it. Absolutely oh. love it. Just that, just, um, just them showing that that broken logic that people used to do, follow yeah, of like, yeah. oh, it means this, and it's because of this, and now I see the truth, and it's like, oh my god, like, it was so well done. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what wasn't well done. Uh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> Spoilers ahead, boys and girls. This past week, I uh, finished rehearsal day at like four o'clock one day, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and catch a movie. What a movie? movie? There's so many movies coming out. I want to go see a movie. Should and just I just go look. Overlord again. Uh, it wasn't shown in this Odeon. It's a small Odeon here. You see? No! It's a lovely, it's a lovely Odeon, but it's like a, it's an eight screener. So usually three of the screens are occupied with the big release, and the other five yeah. sort of divvy up whatever's on. Um, so like, you know, Widows will be on for an hour, a couple of hours in one screen, then that screen will be showing, um, one of the last showings of like Bohemian Rhapsody and things like that. So I feel like I should see Widows. I've liked Steve McQueen's films. Yeah. I want to watch Widows. So uh, I'm going to have to try and time it though with this place. Cause obviously there's a few big releases yeah. in the next few weeks, uh, but we'll see how we go. Um, but I thought, do you know what? My wife went to see Fantastic Beasts. Uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald. You get to say my wife now. It's weird he. I know you say that. I love it's t- it. It's taken me a couple of months, uh, and it's it's it feels normal now. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's it feels like a normal phrase because I keep I've been saying for the last couple of months like my partner. Sorry, uh, my wife uh, has been, and now I'm just like my wife, and I'm like ah. Um, growing up, everybody, it's a it's a thing. You can you can adult and still be a child. Bill it's Ma- great. Bill Murray. Uh, you fuck. Mm. Uh, let's not even get started on that prick. Mm, let's um, not. Let's anyway, not do that. If you if you want if you want to see a beautiful takedown of Bill Maher over that article, watch the double toasted video for it. Corey oh, okay. and Corey and those guys are absolutely fucking wonderful. But anyway, um, it's it, it's it, 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 it's a film that my wife <laughs> went to see. Uh-huh. And she really enjoyed it. Despite stuff I'd read, I was surprised by that. Because I thought, oh, because she wasn't that fussed by Fantastic Beast Swan. She enjoyed it. And then a couple of weeks later went, you know, I think you're right. It wasn't wasn't great, was it? And I was like, no. Uh, but, you're saying, but you're saying she enjoyed this one? She enjoyed it. Uh, we spoke about it again a couple of days ago. And she went, okay, now you've got a point on that. And you've got a point. And yeah, maybe that was a bit... And again... I don't want anyone who enjoys a movie to not enjoy it. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you got something good from it. But it says a lot. Oh, I I do because I hate people having fun that aren't me. Oh yeah, there is that. But I it says no, I have no empathy whatsoever. <laughs> but it says a lot when my Wizarding World of Harry Potter loving wife comes away from something, loves it, and then goes, "Oh, actually, yeah." And there was that, and uh, because sort of that comfort, that 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 wonder of revisiting that world, hasn't been enough to stave off. Her film no. loving instincts after even a couple of days. Um, Matt, it's a bag. Matt, it it's a bag. Beat back the rot. Sorry, are you saying? It's a bag of shit, mate. It's a, it's a, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure. That it's lines a, up with pretty much everything I've heard. It's so a bag. It, it's a bag of rot. It has. Um, it has like two sequences which are impressive, and then everything else makes you go, huh? It sounds huh? like a pretty toxic movie. It's odd. So, uh, again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers abound, boys and girls. Yeah, I've uh, not seen it, but spoil away because I've watched 
Many videos which have spoiled it. Um, Jenny Nicholson's comes to mind. Oh, hers is wonderful. <laughs> and I love the fact that even though she hated it, she still cosplayed as Tina for the video. Yeah, well, she always she's always on point with the costumes. Well, cover, she's got to have like a, a cupboard full of plushes that she just alternates for the videos. I want to know where she keeps the pork. I want to know where she keeps the like 70 snakes. <laughs> do, you remember the, do you remember the first time they appeared? The bed was just covered in them. I'd love to see her tax returns to see what she puts them under. Well, technically, they're props for her business. So yeah, yeah but she, she, she they could, must have a whole subcategory back. of props. Yeah. Parentheses. Plushies. Close <laughs> like, parentheses. Well, like when she did the Halloween costumes like last year or whatever it was. It's just like, you've gone out of your way to track these things down oh, and yeah. buy them. And like, y- you can write them off. <laughs> like, it's fine. It all works out. You're a mad woman. <laughs> she is, but she's also excellent. And yes. again, if you're not watching Jenny Nicholson on YouTube, people, do it. Um, you're a bad car. <laughs> so, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was set in 1926 in uh, the Wizarding World that the Harry Potter films takes place in. Uh, Newt Scamander, the magizoologist and former Hogwarts student, uh, was researching he was doing research he was going to america to uh illegally set free uh, a couple of specific animals in specific locations um and let them back out into the wild uh, after he'd done his studies on them because he didn't like them being cooped up and shit goes down the american ministry of magic are embroiled in the the middle of a, of a thing where they're trying to track down a wizard terrorist um there is word of an obscurus in new york which is a a being who is a magical a magical individual whose powers have been suppressed for uh, a long time either because they don't know they're magical and this and the other mixed in with hatred and neglect that surrounded them all their life so essentially um harry potter could have been that had hagrid never come for him yeah because he, he had magic in him and he knew it was there and it was building up and he was being mistreated and abused all those years. So eventually it could happen. And it was, an Obscurus is a force of nature that essentially explodes and reforms. Um, it's a violent thing. So there's this kid called Credence who's in a, who's in a, a very strict sort of Christian, like uh, Salem witch trial post sort of culture world of, you know, like, oh, this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. Who's been uh, horribly treated by who he believes is his mother. So, the Wizarding Government are after that. Meanwhile, Newt and his magical creatures are having adventures galore with one of the uh, f- former Auras uh, called Tina and her sister Goldie and this uh, muggle or no as they're called in America called Jacob who is the most compelling and wonderful character in the film played by Dan Fogel. And and it's them getting into japes and scrapes collecting these creatures whilst also intersecting with the uh, Ministry's investigation into, into the Obscurus and the fact this terrorist might be after him. Uh, and it all comes to a bit of a head, and unfortunately that plot overshadows the mythical beasties in a runaway collect the monsters story in 1920s New York plot. Um, By the end of Fantastic Beasts, Credence dies, and it's revealed that Graves, the agent who was uh, trying to talk to him and it looked like um, bring him round, played by Colin Farrell, was actually the wizard terrorist Gellert Grindelwald, the one that the Ministry were after. He's revealed to be Johnny Depp and, you know, like, he just looks like him because apparently he can transform his appearance at will, even though the Wizarding World has whole strict rules on this sort of shit, but whatever, it's not like the author's writing these movies. Oh, wait, she is. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so Fantastic Beasts uh, 2, where the fuck are the beasts, but also Johnny Depp, uh, takes place (laughs) six months... 
six there, there are beasts in this in a way that makes you go oh yeah they want to make sure that franchise thing's still sort of there so several animals are written in um because here's the thing Good. the end of that movie makes it feel like a setup for a future movie and here is that future movie um it's uh, this movie could have been done and have nothing to do with Fantastic Beasts and that would have worked better. So just tell the story of this period in wizarding history with different characters and the ongoing themes, the Grindelwald stuff. Uh, do you know what I mean? That would have worked better. Newt, yes. Jacob, Queenie and Tina feel shoehorned into their own movie. Um, so it's six months later in 1927 and Grindelwald is being taken from the uh, cells where he's been tortured for information uh, and whatnot in yeah. New York. In New York, yeah. in, in, in the ministry's hiding within the Empire State Building, um, to Azkaban. He's going to be transferred to Azkaban. Um, they stopped letting him speak months ago because he's that powerful. He could do incantations and stuff vocally with... Uh, no wand involvement and things like that. Like he could just Ooh. do it. So they cut out his tongue at one point to stop he him speaking. Have to wiggle his wand. No. So they because they, they, they make they, they make the they make the statement in the last one on this that the very few wizards are considered dangerous because of their abilities, um, but their beliefs can make them dangerous, and a lot of them are very powerful. And in this case, Grindelwald is uh, essentially he's you know it's, it's the fascist kind of thing. Like Grindelwald is. Uh, the Wizarding World believes that he hates all nomads, muggles, this, that, and the other. He hates anyone who isn't a pure blood, and he believes that wizards should be public and be the dominant, you know, for lack of a better term, race on Earth. And that's his belief. I can um, see... I, I don't agree with it, but I can see why someone who can shoot fire from their fingertips and fart lightning yeah. might see... might think that they should be the superior... Um, class yeah shall we say yeah he's magneto without the believable push to why he'd want to feel like that from his childhood yeah um because that's the that's the beauty of magneto is that he's essentially mutant hitler but he doesn't realize it he doesn't bloody realize it but he's doing what he's doing because of what homo sapiens have done to him yes and he, it's this whole this whole twisted irony where you know. Yeah, but anyway, um, continuing the cycle of violence. Except it isn't because by the end of this film, you find out as he says to all of his followers and people who come to listen to him at this sort of rally, um, he doesn't hate non-magical people at all. He believes they serve a purpose, and he believes that they are people. They're just not as important, and they will have a role in our world. And he doesn't make any uh, implications as to what that can be ever. In a film called The Crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald does fuck all. Um, we're told how we're told how horrible he is. We are told how villainous and horrible he is. But there's only two scenes in this where he sort of gets his hands dirty and does something that makes you go, "Oh, he's a bit nasty," and they're so cliched. So at the end of the movie, there's a big rally where he gets all these people together and he reveals yes. that he knows there are auras listening in, and he sort of leads them to commit the first like act of violence. I've heard about the let's stand around in a circle and explain the plot yeah. scene. Yeah, essentially what Grindelwald does in this movie toward the end is he, he shows a vision of the future. He says that muggles have a place, but we need to be in charge because if they're left in charge, this is what will happen. And he vapes a skull for reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's, never, it's never explained to us what this is or how it helps him see visions of the future, but he vapes a skull. It's magic. And he blows out this thing and you basically see Hiroshima. You see... Um, 
African Nazi troops. You see people like in lives left in ruin, and in, in, in you know, it basically shows World War Two. Yeah, and the Wizarding community are like, oh my god, like we don't want this again because of course they were there during the First World War. Like, yeah, like everyone was. And he says like, if left to their own devices, if we don't step up now, this is what awaits us. Um, so we need to we need to take we need to take charge. And and he he lets uh, a follower of his react to an aura, and the aura acts in self defense and kills the follower, and that's his sort of like go, like go now, apparate from this place, tell other people about this, let them know we are not the violent ones. Oh, so it, okay, do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's an interesting angle. But the thing is, after that, then he makes like a ring of fire around him, and he's like, right, here's what's going to work. All the auras that are in there, and the other incidental characters and Newt's lot are in there. He says like, if you follow me, if you believe in me, and you're coming with me, walk through the flame. If you don't, you'll die. But then it shows that a follower of his who was a little shaken earlier on um, walks through the flame and he burns up. So essentially what he's saying is, if you're one of my followers, walk through here and we'll all disappear together. Uh, Anyone else is either going to... Anyone else who's got doubts will burn up and everyone else is going to die because this building will set on fire anyway. It's just so like... Good. Right, so you're, you're a villain then, I guess. That seems impractical. I mean, it seems it, like it, an impractical method so of escape. But it's there, to, it's there to give a dramatic moment when one of our beloved, lovely characters from the first one turns out to basically be a fucking Nazi. So... Sweet. Um, and, and at the beginning of the movie, he has a breakout. He's in this ch- chariot. They're taking him to Azkaban. He's in a chariot that's piloted by Thestrals and all this. Yeah, I've but heard it, about this. He, yeah. he has a breakout, but it's not him he yeah, breaks it's not in him. to break out someone what, who isn't him. one of the officers one of the auras is a follower of his and has been posing as him for months uh... and, and and he's been posing as the aura for months and they never explain how when that switch happened or how it happened but also surely then if it's his devout follower what would happen is devout follower would go to azkaban yeah and, he, and he'd be free to do what he needs to do yeah. But no, but no, he stages a breakout to save the follower. So everyone knows he's free. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why would you go undercover if you then... But then, like, yeah. there's, there's a lizard thing that was locked up with him, which is sort of implied to be his pet, which wasn't with him in the first one. And then he he gets in the chariot and stuff, and he grabs, the, he grabs it, and he sort of, like, it rubs up against him. He's like, oh, you're, you're, you're far too affectionate. And he throws it out of the window mid-flight. And you're like, right... Huh? J.K. J.K. Rowling has forgotten how to write villains. Basically, she's completely forgot. He has devout followers with him. Some former auras, some who are auras, but are pretending to, you know, be against him. Um, uh, And they're all just monochromatic henchmen that don't add anything to the story at all. Uh, And they don't have a name as cool as Death Eaters, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Newt is looking to get a ban lifted on his on travel because he had a travel ban after the events of the previous one. He's back in London, and uh, he goes to the ministry. His older brother works for the ministry. He's an aura, and he tries to get him a thing to get the ban lifted. And they basically say, "Look, we'll lift your travel ban if you come to work for us. Like you have some insight on this Grindelwald investigation due to the incidents of the previous movie." We'd like you to do it. And Newt's like, no. Like, he couldn't think of anything worse working for the government. He just doesn't want to do it. Does he have insights, though, Chris? No. Exactly. Because it's like... <laughs> uh, because they're like, we need we need you we need you to track down Credence, which is Ezra Miller's character, who, as you remember I said, died in the first one. Yeah. Apparently he survived. Oh, it's the Credence? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's, lo- and he's looking for his real mother. Um, 
and we know he's in Paris and that's all we know. Even though Credence, it turns out, is in a wizard circus in Paris, a travelling carnival. So they could probably find him quite easily. Uh, in fact, other people find him already. So it's really fucking stupid. Credence yeah. is in a wizarding circus, like basically the stable boy, and he's made friends with another mistreated person in the circus, a maledictus, a woman with a blood curse called Nagini, who's cursed to turn into a snake um, every night, and eventually she'll turn into a snake forever. Except there are several scenes at nighttime, in, set at nighttime in this where she doesn't turn into a snake. And, um, and she also has about four lines and then spends the rest of the movie just following him around, looking worried. Cool. She also hates the villains and the, the fascist Nazi-esque stuff going on with the Grendelwald and his followers, so, you know, can't wait to watch her join a wizard Nazi one day. Um... So, yeah, she's pointless. Uh, Tina's not talking to Newt anymore because a magazine misprinted that Newt was engaged to Lita Lestrange, the girl who's mentioned in the first one that he fancied in school, uh, even though it's actually his brother that's engaged to Lita Lestrange. So Tina immediately falls out with him, even though the first movie ended on a, oh, they kind of like each other, maybe they should follow it up. This implies they have, and then that happens. Um, also, Jacob, who was made Ooh. to forget everything at the end of the last one, in the, the film's only really poignant moment, um, remembers everything. Because Good. it turns out the spell only got rid of his bad memories. Good. Yeah. But not just that. I'm sorry you didn't have any bad memories of him. Oh, God. But not just that. He's with Queenie. He and Queenie are in a relationship. You know, the two that are in a sort of yeah. lovely sort of thing. Yeah, she, she's the... Uh, pr- uh, whatever her thing is, where she's slightly psychic and reads minds by accident, because, you know, whatever. You could have some you could have some fun with that as a storytelling device, but they don't. Um, <laughs> oh, they, oh, oh, no, they really don't, because she does it in the first five minutes, and then it's almost like she never does it ever again. Even though if she was around the evil wizard, she would probably use that. Fantastic um, beasts! You could have some fun with it. They arrive well, in the UK. Don't. Well, they arrive in the UK to meet Newt. <laughs> yeah, that's the tagline. That should be. They arrive in the UK to meet Newt, and um, and Jacob's acting all a bit weird. And Newt's like, "You've got him under a, you've got him under a spell." She's like, "No, I don't." He's like, "Yeah, you do." Like uh, you thinking. Um, so he breaks it, and basically, she's magic roofied her fiance. We um and they tried to play it for comedy. Ooh. Really isn't funny. Like now you can do that. You can play that for comedy if say it's a dark comedy or the characters are certain characters or whatever. You could totally do that. It's possible. Um but in this situation, we're meant to like these characters. Yeah. Especially Queenie, who is just this adorable, very sweet person in the first movie. Turns out she magic roofied him. Cause I mean when he comes around, he's like, Where am I? How long have I been out? Newt's like, I'm not sure. He says, where am I? He's like, London. He's like, oh, geez. Okay. Wow. So he's really fucking freaked out by what's happened. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, she did it because they want to get married. But he won't allow it because he knows how much danger it'll put her in. Because we're in that wizard racism thing of, you know, like, you, know, you two can't yeah. get married. Like, he doesn't want to put her in danger or get her arrested because of it. But she's like, I don't care about that. And he's like, well, I do because I don't want you to, I don't want to lose you. So he's doing it because he cares. And it's not like a, it's not a lesson he needs to learn. It's just the situation they're in at that moment. Yeah. But she's like, to hell with that. Mm, freaking magicius rehypnolus. Um, <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? And, and under a spell, he proposes to her. And he's like, yeah, we're going to get married. It's great. Oh, look how quirky I'm acting. Proposicus. So he, goes, he runs out after her because she runs off in a strop into the street and he runs out to sort of reason with her and be like, look, you, you don't understand. Like, I, I love you. That's why I want to make sure you're safe. And she's like, she doesn't get it. So she, you, you don't hear his voiceover, but she sort of goes, oh, you think I'm crazy? And he says, what? I didn't say anything. She went, you didn't have to say it. And she strops off. Well, I think he's perfectly valid in fucking thinking, God, you're acting crazy. Because you just magic roofied him. Like, do you know what I mean? It's so weird. They, the, the angle, they're trying to make it so that the story is, oh, Queenie, bless her. Like, you know what it's like to be in love and not to be able to do stuff. You know, they play that angle up. Yeah. But it doesn't work because what she did is really fucking gross. It's so strange. And, and, and she then goes to Paris to find Tina, who's on the case. And... She overhears Newton Jacob, because inevitably they make it there as well, and she can't mm-hmm. find him. And one of Grindelwald's followers is like, oh, right, well, I'll look after you then, and I'll introduce you to someone who wants to help you, and introduces him her to Grindelwald. And she's like, no, I know who you are, get back. And he's like, no, you don't get it. I, I want you to have what you need. I want you to have what you want. And to his credit, Depp plays this role very underplayed and very charming. Like, this is somebody who is like, you don't get it. I, I'm looking out for your interests as well. Like, you have to trust me on this. I honestly am. Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. And here's what I believe you should have. So you see why she comes around to his way of thinking. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Except one problem. She can read minds. <laughs> why isn't she reading his mind? Which apparently she does it involuntarily. But why... You know what I mean? Like, why in the entire time she's not with it? And then at the end, you know, the whole walk through the fire thing, what if you're a believer, she wants to join Grindelwald because... She believes it will then free her and Jacob to be able to do what they want. Jacob is holding her, saying, please don't do this. And she she chooses to go with Grindelwald. So why would she choose to go to Grindelwald if the person she's doing it for is the one saying, I don't want you to do that? So they're not making her likeable. They're, they're not making her likeable. And she walks through the flame and joins Grindelwald. So lovable Queenie from the first one is now a wizard Nazi. Um, so there's awesome. that. Yeah. And that's cliffhanger material. Nicholas Flamel's in this. Oh, yes. The titular philosopher of said stone, which makes a cameo. <laughs> Look at it in frame, guys. Do you remember those films? Um, so there's that. He's it, There's no reason for him to be in it. His first appearance, yeah, there is. It's, no, his first appearance makes sense in quite a sweet way. It's a safe house contact given to Newt by a character earlier in the film. While you're in Paris, if you need somewhere to hide, go here you'll be looked after, yeah? It's a yes. friend of Nicholas Flamel gives them that. And after they're in that house for a bit, that's when Nicholas Flamel finally sort of appears. And Jacob's like, oh God, I'm sorry, like, we didn't break in. He's like, no, 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 it's okay, I understand. Uh, you are more than welcome. But it's just the notion that he's obviously been asleep upstairs for like 12 hours and no one's <laughs> noticed he's there. That's kind of funny. And the actor who's playing him is under heavy age makeup. And oh, yeah. there's a moment where they walk across the room, but so that they're walking at Jacob's pace, he's sort of doing a very small run, <laughs> which is at the pace of a walk. And it was like, that's funny. <laughs> like, that is very funny. Good choice, Mr. Performer. But then when they all go off and he sort of is like, oh, no, he opens this book from a safe, the same safe that's got the Philosopher's Stone in it. And he, he has a communication with somebody in a portrait. And I've no idea who it's meant to be. Like, the film doesn't make a thing of it. And it's one of those where they're obviously assuming that either you've read enough Pottermore that you get it, 
or you'll find out next time. Because here's another thread. The, Lest- the Lestrange thread is in this movie. Um, yes. In the last movie, all that was mentioned of it was that Newt fancied someone in school whose picture he keeps in his briefcase of uh, someone called Lita Lestrange. And as a Harry Potter fan, you watch that first film and you go, Oh, Lestrange! Oh! Oh, that's interesting. We're going to meet possibly someone from earlier in the Lestrange lineage. That's kind of cool. Um, because obviously we know Bellatrix Lestrange and we know the, the the black, serious black and all that. We know those like bloodlines cross and weave and everything later on. Yep. And there's some nasty pasties in that bloodline. There are. Um, yeah. Well, in this, <laughs> there's a whole thing where it turns out Credence is somebody's brother, but is also... Oh, uh, yes. But is no, also I supposed, heard. But he's also supposedly the brother of someone else because in the Lestrange family... There's a prophecy I... that one child will be evil and one child will be good and another child has to kill the evil one for it not to happen and Credence is that child, maybe. And it's, oh God, she just throws so much shit at you in the screenplay that makes no sense or is irrelevant. But it's, it's so dumb. But you learn, basically, that the earliest The Strange on record, which is like Lita's father... Um, <sighs> Okay. No, hit no, 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 right. She's not, I, don't, I don't think she's Lita's father, father, but basically Lita's mother is Imperius cursed away from their oh, home. Oh, no, yes, yes. No, I, I know. By, yeah, by yeah, whatever, I've by Corvus this. Lestrange or whatever his name is. Yeah. Who loves her so much because he thinks she's beautiful. But she's under, again, Magic Rufy, in this case, yeah. the Imperius curse, one of the forbidden curses. The entire time she's with him. Good. And she, she gives birth and dies in childbirth to um, Lita Lestrange. So Lita Lestrange was born of magic rape. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, this continues with several women afterwards until he finally sires a boy, which is what he wanted. So, you know. Fuck. Welcome, everybody, to uh, the Harry Potter spin-off series. It's full of mind rape and physical uh... rape. Um, these movies are aimed at kids. Can we just, just remind you of that? These are aimed at kids. Actually, are they? Are they aimed at anyone? Yes, they are. They are aimed at kids because they have fluffy fucking creatures in them that they can't lose because they've got a brand now. Um, because I'll say this, the monsters are the best thing in this movie. The monsters and beasties are the best thing. Whenever they appear, they are marvels of visual effects work. Eddie Redmayne's interactions with them are lovely. The Niffler is back, including Niffler Babies, because it's a sequel. Of course they've created fucking babies. Um, that's the little gold mole thing with a little bill. Um, I believe you, but I haven't seen Fantastic Beasts. You'll, you'll, you'll have seen that one in the market in somewhere. It's this little cute mole thing that runs around collecting gold. They're attracted to shiny objects. Oh, of course. Uh, there's a little green thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a little stick insect that's in his pocket all the time. That's in this one a lot more than it was in uh, the first, and that's quite cute. It's called Derek. Uh, yeah, yeah, Derek, Derek sibling. Derek, well, Derek sibling the actor. Yeah, yeah. I once saw him gave a King Lear that gave this guy the shivers. Uh, but, then he did, but then he did a diarrhea commercial, commercial, you see. And after that, it was just, good night, sweetheart. Yeah, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, God. Um, gave the best oh, beer this guy has ever seen. That was another thing that, going back to when I was talking about Christopher Robin the other week. <laughs> Matt, Matt Berry's cameo in that took me by surprise. It was bloody weird, wasn't it? It was very weird. Wasn't Have you Simon... been on the lemonade, mate? Wasn't Simon Farnaby in the same scene? I think so, yeah. Was he the cab driver? Yeah. 
Fucking hell. Just, my God. Mighty Boosh season one reunion. We want it. Um, anyway, <laughs> Fantastic Beasts. What the fuck's going on? What the fuck's happening here? Uh, so the Beasties are great. There's, there's one that's that gets loose from the circus, which is clearly the creature that inspired the Chinese dragon. Oh yeah, I've seen that in the trailer. That's yeah. from, for amazing. And there's this lovely little quirk where basically it's rampaging and Newt stops it because he gets out a little Tinkle Bell toy on a stick. Oh. At the top of it looks like a little furry version of its face. And it, it's it's like, this is wonderful. Like, this is the this is the good shit. Um, and, and like Tina later on, they use it for something and then she sort of calms it down after they've, it's helped by tinkling the, the stick and it gives this look again. And it's like, this is adorable. Uh, so there's that. Um, the, the, you know, the creatures that appear are fine. Like, uh, Nagini, when you see Nagini as a snake briefly, is the, the coolest that effect has ever looked in the movies. Um, but again, pointless character and doesn't really add anything to it. The Obscurus effects are nice and creepy. You briefly see inside Newt's, uh, home menagerie because in the first film it's his suitcase. Yeah. Um, in this one, it's, it's the basement of his London home is like stories tall and has fields and lakes in it and stuff, uh, where they're kept. He's got, he's got an assistant in his, uh, in his menagerie who clearly fancies him because the character at one point he dives into the, he's going to dive into the water to help feed one of the animals that's misbehaving and seems unwell and she says oh you might want to um take your sh- shirt off and he goes it's alright it'll dry quickly and he leaps in and she has that look of oh on her face you know hunky newt scamander oh yeah um, yeah he's got those rippling abs and then you yeah. see you see her in the background of the photo of the engagement article sort of looking longingly at him and that's all that actress is given to do, and that's all that character is given to do, and you're like, what's the point in this? Um, Feminism. It's just so, so fucking stupid. But you see some more creatures in there, and they're kind of cool. Um, the only other interesting thing in the movie, and I don't say this in a necessarily good interesting way, I just mean interesting, is the inclusion, portrayal, and use of the character of Albus Dumbledore, played by Jude Law. Yeah, I heard Jude Law's pretty good in this. He's very warm and likeable. He is believably a younger version of the character we know, even though he's only showing um, hints of specifically Gambon's delivery. Um, but not enough for it to be distracting. It's just kind of there in the way he sort of ends sentences and stuff like that. Well, yeah, you don't want to be distracting with things like that. Do you? Yeah, there's a lovely bit where, where he's talking, well, exactly, yeah, like you want you want to believe it's the same character, but you also don't want to go, oh, and considering he looks so visually different, it, yeah. lean, it leans on the performance to make you believe it's him. And those subtle touches work better than any big flourishes ever would, absolutely. Um, you know that they're going to make a whole film in this series about why he stops wearing sharp suits and starts wearing his pyjamas. And grows a beard and looks older within the space of five years. Uh... Cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the flashback in Half-Blood Prince to him meeting young Voldemort, I think it's in Half-Blood Prince, um, is... is like five, six years after this. Well, no, because it's after, it would have been after Grindelwald. Yeah, but that implies that Grindelwald is going to be defeated within the next five years. No, Grindelwald is defeated at the end of World War Two. Right, so they've already it happens at the same. Time. Oh, right, okay, okay, okay. So we're talking like uh, we're talking like eighteen years then, essentially. Yeah, for him to look that different. Okay, even so, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, but hey, he's not the only one with fucking age discrepancies. So. Fans of the books will remember little nods to how long certain how long certain teachers have taught there, and then yeah. people who've got into Pottermore and stuff will know more information. Minerva McGonagall, 
for example, lovely, lovely uh, Professor McGonagall, was born in 1937, I believe it is. Yeah. And, um, no, sorry, uh, 19, I think it's 1927, something like that. So, like, when this is set, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, or around that time. She's basically, she's born sort of in the early, early 1900s is when she's born. And she, yeah, because she's old as balls. Yeah, she begins to, because some wizards are sort of age much slower and others, you know, sort of age human rate. Um, uh, she, she mentions in the books that she'd been teaching at that school for like 39 years. And which would roughly make her about, because the books take place in the early 90s, uh, it would roughly make her about 20 something when she began teaching there. Yeah, something like that. Um, in a flashback to Newt's childhood, there's a teacher called McGonagall. That same teacher appears in a present-day scene where Dumbledore's interviewed by some of the Aurors in the Defence Against the Dark Arts classroom. Yeah. The actress is portraying the character as though she were the Maggie Smith character of the same name. Good. But... No, there's no but. Somehow, oh, right. McGon- somehow McGonagall's okay. in it. Somehow okay, McGonagall cool. is in this years before she's born and teaching when a child. Cool. So that's there. Cool. Um, Dumbledore teaches Defense Against the Dark Arts, even though I believe in the books they've never suggested that. Um, yeah, but J.K. Rowling had that idea like 20 years ago. Yeah. Apparently. Um, it's just... And Dumbledore does what Dumbledore does best. They're very true to character in that he sends other people young, uh, ambitious people in to do his dirty work. Um, in this case, sets up Newt to go and find Credence because he can't do it. He's like, the, the, the Ministry want to kill Credence, apparently, and other people want to kill Credence, apparently. He's like, you need to get to him. Like, he needs to be kept safe. Like, I know you can do it. Why won't you do it? I can't move against Grindelwald. Newt, you've got to do it. All right, bye, bye, bye. Um... Why can't you move against Grindelwald again? <sighs> right, okay, so. Again, uh, okay. this, is, right, this okay. has never been established in any of the books. But after all the books came out, J.K. Rowling discussed that Dumbledore was a gay man. And not only that, the suggested um, close relationship he had with the wizard terrorist from the early 1900s, Gellert Grindelwald, who is locked up in Azkaban as of the events of the Harry Potter books and has been for decades, um... The relationship with Grindelwald wasn't merely a friendship, it was a romantic relationship. Which gives you a a different look on those events, which aren't major events in the Harry Potter books at all, they're just spoken of. Yeah, it's a noodle incident, it's it's background flavour. Yeah, but it makes you go, oh wow, Like so he's led a pretty freaking complex life then. And we already think that, but then then you find out that he he was romantically involved with him and you go, oh my god, that's really, like, that's that's heartbreaking. Like, you know, imagine, like, you fall in love with someone and then they turn into basically Wizard Hitler. Yeah. And like, what do you do? And, and you know, it's so like, there's some great ideas there. Now we can go into a whole thing later on about JK Rowling, uh, queer baiting and lots of other things where she says, Oh no, this was this. Oh, this was this, but yeah. there's no examples of it anywhere in the works. And, and that's sort of the opposite of representation. Just it's re- not in the chat. Yeah, re- retrofitting it is not being representative. Do you know what I mean? Like if you were, yeah. if you then made something that showed it, fair enough. But, you know, it's like anyone could go like, oh, oh, Black Panther. Yeah, well, um, Black Panther's actually about uh, misunderstood 40-something single white men. There you go. There you go, cisgendered people. You've got a brand new thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, it isn't. Yeah. It was never that. What are you talking about? Um, 
you need to, if you're going to make a change like that, you need to show it in some way. Obviously, don't make that change. That'd be fucking ridiculous. Yeah, um, don't, please don't. But, will. Please but don't. oh God. But in this case, right. Oh, so we're going to tell another story in the Harry Potter world earlier on involving Grindelwald and Dumbledore's going to be in it. Holy shit. We'll get to see a flavor of this. Now, to be fair, on, 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 unlike David Yates, the director's statements, David Yates returning to direct the, his sixth Harry Potter film, I think, with this Something one. Something like that. Uh, yeah. This is visually the worst looking one. Um, oh, there are odd choices made, like action that's too fast paced and shrouded in weather and you can't see what's happening. Uh, shaky cam shots of um, Lita the Strange looking around one of her old classrooms like it's some form of documentary all of a sudden. Uh, scenes in the ministry at the beginning with Newt and Lita and his brother all having a conversation in extreme close-up POV Listen, shots. Listen, he's been wanting to do something that isn't Harry Potter for like over a decade at this point. But none of it works. It's so weird. Um, so there's that. Um, but uh, contrary to his comments earlier this year that they would not be touching on Dumbledore's sexuality in the film, they do. They just don't do it um, overtly, there are there are several little bits that go. Yeah, this is like this is this was a romantic relationship, and uh, it, it, it unfortunately I don't think it's obvious if you don't know about Dumbledore's sexuality. No. I think if you didn't know that, you wouldn't you wouldn't clock this. And no, no, if you hadn't watched the series, you wouldn't clock it either. The previous series, so there are a few moments. The auras come to him and they basically say, like, you know, you're this, that, and the other against Grindelwald. And it's like, I understand why you wouldn't want to. Like, uh, I heard that once the two of you were close as brothers. And Dumbledore goes, oh, no, we were much closer than that. And he sort of gives the, this, the aura, that aura a look of, like, and you know that. Yeah? Yeah. And the aura sort of gives him this look of mild disgust before he carries on talking to him. Yeah. And it's like... Okay, that's some interesting textuality stuff there. You know, it's like freaking homophobia within the wizarding world in that time and la la la. Okay. But again, you have to know the subtext to get that entirely. Because if you watch that without knowing Dumbledore's sexuality, you could be like, Dumbledore's just really sticking up for saying, oh no, like we were, it was more than just a friendship. Like we were really, really close. And that guy's like, ooh, you disgust me. Like, I don't so, know how many so, ways you can read that though, that where it isn't a romantic relationship. I, I think some people wouldn't pick up, but, but, uh, you know, it, it's there, but it's only really obvious if you know. I, f- I feel. Um, then he, he break, for some reason he shows Dumbledore. He says like, "I know you two are close," and he sort of shows some footage with his wand in like a bubble of the two of them as kids, which is weird because again, J.K. Rowling establishes later that memories can only be recalled by an individual through a pensive. But apparently, this guy's got footage of teenage Dumbledore and Grindelwald smiling at each other in his wand. Um, later on, Dumbledore is in an empty room. Looking into the mirror of Erised. Yes. Now again, if you know what the mirror of Erised is, great. But if you have been one of those, it's in- desire yeah. backwards. But if you have been one of those individuals who's come into this not familiar with Harry Potter, or if you've just not watched the Philosopher's Stone in a decade, you might or not know. More. Yeah, or more, you might not know what's going on because he's just looking into the mirror, and he just sees child him and child Grindelwald again, sort of talking to each other. And then he sees current Grindelwald just looking at him. And that's it. And you're like, right. So it's implying that he, if you know what the mirror does, he he misses his friend. Same way Harry saw his parents when he looked in the mirror. Yeah. Or, you know, the more you know, he misses his lover, his former partner. So it's like, okay. Right. At no point does Grindelwald suggest to audit ever. 
In fact, he wants to kill Dumbledore, but he won't do it himself. He likes he wants Credence to do it because he believes Credence is powerful enough to kill Dumbledore, who's the only other wizard equal power to Grindelwald, apparently. Um, it's over nine thousand. Any anyone can kill Dumbledore. Anyone can kill Dumbledore, and in fact, they do. Someone bloody does. Um, like anyone can kill him. It's, it's do you know what I mean? It's bullshit. Like it's, yeah. you don't need yeah. an Obscurus to kill him. Anyone can do it. Um, and if he doesn't want to kill him because he still loves him, then why is he sending him uh, someone who's going to kill him in a horrific way? Do you know what I mean? It's like because love hurts, Chris. May, yeah, but maybe explore. Right. Yeah, but maybe explore that and tell some story with that. But the film. The oh film. god, the film. The film shows why Dumbledore and Grindelwald will not move against each other physically. Not because they're in love, not because there's conflict, not because they have lasting feelings, but because they made, and this apparently exists in the Wizarding World, a blood pact. Okay. Grindel- An unbreakable, unbreakable uh, Well, they've got they've got a thing haven't they, called the un- Unbreakable Vow. Yeah. yeah. This isn't that. Because the Unbreakable okay. Vow in Harry Potter is you make the Unbreakable Vow and if either of you neg on it, the person who does it dies yes so it's basically like a really serious binding contract because that's what happens with snape and dumbledore isn't it they make the um oh, yes, no 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 oh no they no they don't make the unbreakable vow. a snape makes the unbreakable vow with someone else uh oh um, oh i think he's a strange or something isn't it like it's, it's part I, of i think it's stuff. narcissa malfoy because i think narcissa they're malfoy, that's re- it, yeah. related yes that's it yeah oh, to, 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 to look after draco isn't it yeah yeah um, but but yeah, so so like we've seen them in the films before; they've been established. Yeah, um, this isn't an unbreakable vow. This is basically Grindelwald has on his person a, a vial that contains blood from both he and Dumbledore. That means while it exists, neither of them can physically harm the other or hurt the other. So, hmm. is it like did they do that? Did they do that during their relationship as like some giant sign of "I will always love you"? Or did they do that at the end of their relationship? As like, a, I'm not going to, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to pursue you. I'm not going to pursue you. Like, yeah, they don't explain it. Um, no. But, but the only reason it exists is so that they can. Well, the only reason I, one reason I, I hope is not real that it could exist is that they didn't want to just flat out say they love each other. They had to create a MacGuffin <sighs> to show that they 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 can't each other. That's lazy. But the only other reason it exists is so that the Fantastic Beasts can actually do something because the Niffler randomly nicks it during the final confrontation with no one noticing and then gives it to Newt who takes it to Dumbledore. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, oh look, the animal did a thing. How cute. Um, last but certainly not least, a nitpick. Because I've, I've basically just railed on this movie for ages. There are yes. some nice. And we've got some emails that are talking about yeah. it as well. So there are some, we'll, we'll get into it. There are some nice performances. Um, Eddie Redmayne is charming. He's still just doing a rip off Matt Smith, but he's charming. Um, <laughs> uh, Jacob is severely underutilized, considering that um, Dan Fogel was the best part of the first one. Uh, he continues to be great in this, but he's not in it much. Um, Jude Law as Dumbledore is brilliant. Johnny Depp is pleasantly not distracting if that makes any sense still like, a piece of shit though d- allegedly but more likely than not um it, but but again he's he's not a distraction in this he suits the role and it's like yeah had you not named the film after him and played him up i think we could have got past this a lot more easily with a less less sick in our throats oh and and had 
J.K. Rowling not publicly gone to bat for him. Yes, and maybe kept Colin Farrell in the role because he was great in the first one. Um, but reasons. Um, Ezra Miller is doing the best he can. Uh, the best thing to come out of this movie is Ezra Miller during the press junkets. That's the best yeah. thing to come out of this movie. He must be protected at all costs. Um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not just talking about the stupid outfits. Like, the junket stuff has been wonderful. Um, aside from that, there's just not really much to give a shit about. But here's a nitpick to end on. Okay. Um, this is definitely the worst Wizarding World movie. It's definitely the most boring. It expects you to invest in shit that has never been important ever. And it wants you to do required reading beforehand, even though the people who would do that are being shat on because it is then... Oh, contra- that it's, sounds great. It's, no, no, but like, it's, it's like, <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to be fully enveloped in like Pottermore to get a bunch of the oh, stuff that's in here. But, but then the same people who do that, it sticks a middle finger up to them because it changes continuity on a whim. Yeah. Um, but I'll leave you on a nitpick. You remember the Elder Wand, don't you, Matt? I do remember the Elder it, Wand. It's one of the three uh, Deathly Hallows. Yes, it's, the the bearer is unbeatable. Yeah, the bearer, the, the person who holds the the the, the Elder Wand is is unbeatable. Um, and the only way you can sort of take power from them is if you disarm them in 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 combat. If you are fighting them and you disarm them of the Elder Wand. You then are the Elder One's master. That is how its power is transferred. Um, Grindelwald has the Elder Wand. Yes. It is detained from him in the last movie. Uh, and in this movie, it's, you know, amongst his things. And when he's being transferred to Azkaban, for some reason, that goes with them. Uh, so, of course, he gets it back. And that's his wand. And it's sort of, you know, you know the Deathly Hallows, so you, from that you get the implication that, oh, maybe yeah. Grindelwald is as powerful as he is because he possesses the Elder Wand. Dumbledore has it in the books, which is, which he get, and he gets it from Grindelwald. Yeah. Here's the thing. Do you know how the authorities got the Elder Wand off of him for it to be detained when he was arrested? They grabbed it off him. He's disarmed by Tina in the last movie. So why is it working for him in this one? Tina's involvement well, in this, shit! Tina's involvement in this story could continue from that angle. But instead, she's just slightly annoyed now Aura who doesn't want to talk to Newt because he's got a new fiancé, apparently. And that's all Catherine Waterson, or whatever her name is, gets to do in this movie. Really. Is just be stroppy. Fuck! Yeah. And it's like, there's a story thread there. Now, they don't make a thing of it in Fantastic Beasts. They probably should, by the sounds of it. Yeah, they don't. They don't make a thing of it. But like when you see um, Graves, who is Grindelwald in disguise with a wand, you, it's unmistakably that knobbly bobbly elder wand. You know oh, what I mean? The but knobbly bobbly elder, knobbly, wand, elder wand. So it's like, right, hang on, she disarmed him. So what's going on, J.K.? Now that is a nitpick, but I thought I'd leave you on that. If you enjoyed the movie, good. I didn't. Well, was a, we're about a bag to of shit. From... <laughs> We're about to hear from some people in emails who have some opinions on the movie. Filth. Um, <laughs> and also emails. Yes. Uh, this one comes in from Miles. Hi, Miles. He says, greetings, large darn lads. Lovely. Um, yeah. I heard from your Twitter that you were looking for a few opinions on the crimes of Grindelwald for this week's podcast, so I thought I'd impart my thoughts to you. I really hope I've not upset him. Here we go. <laughs> 
Bit of a mess, wasn't it? Oh, yay! Uh, I, I came out of the screening totally unsure of what to think. I'll admit, I did have a little fun, despite the film's much darker tone in, t- in comparison to the first. And seeing Hogwarts again with that tiny snippet of Hedwig's theme gave me an incredibly warm, nostalgic and magical feeling inside. That's what they want, Miles. They want to feed from your warmth. Um, apart from that, it... <laughs> just didn't really do anything for me um i found it exposition heavy at times particularly near the end when the characters almost listed off everything we've learned so far um (laughs) the cast were fine dan fogler was the standout as jacob despite having barely anything to do and i enjoyed redmayne as newt but everyone else just felt incredibly bland especially johnny bloody depp he brought literally (laughs) nothing to the character of grindelwald it just seemed like he was playing a mix between his previous roles of jack sparrow and sweeney todd but with zero enthusiasm I saw Phoenix is suggesting on Twitter that Paul McGann should have played Grindelwald. Now that's something I'd like to see. Yeah, but Phoenix, Phoenix is going to fan cast Paul McGann, the real Paul McGann, as anyone, especially the real Paul McGann. And when it all comes <laughs> down to it, the biggest crime that Crimes of Grindelwald committed was the way it presented these characters. I just can't care for them at all. There was meant to be this huge emotional punch at the end, but all I could respond with was a nonplussed shrug. Who gives a toss about what happens to these people? After actually kind of enjoying the first instalment, the second one just didn't do it for me, which is a real shame. On a lighter note, Once Upon a Deadpool looked blooming brilliant. (laughs) Au revoir, Miles. Yes. Yes, Yes, it does. It does look very good. I've not seen the trailer. I'm going to have to hunt the trailer down. (gasps) Right, as soon as we finish recording this, watch the trailer. You'll... you'll... Oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. Oh... It's out on like oh. it's out on like December seventh or something in the UK, something like that, for like one night. Um, and I'm gonna buy a ticket because all like uh, I think it's ninety percent of the proceeds are going to a charity. That was why that was why they agreed to do it. They said if a bunch of the proceeds go to charity, we'll do it. So uh, Fo- okay. Fox gets some money and a charity gets a load of money, and it has an entire restructured narrative framing device, which will become very clear to you in the trailer. Yes. No, well, we talked about it, didn't we? Oh, but the execution. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Um, oh. This one comes in from Daniel. He says, good. Insert time day of insert time of day here. Gents, uh, I hope that both of you are having a good week. Only good, though. Not like... Thanks. Thanks, Daniel. Only good. <laughs> Cheers. And I, hope... <laughs> and I hope Chris's rehearsals are coming along well. Uh, so first order of busyness... The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, I seem to be in the tiny, fractional minority that actually really enjoyed the film. I went Get in out. dreading... Get out! <laughs> Leave! Uh, I went in dreading it, especially Mr. Depp, given his alleged behaviour and his performance in family films in the past. Imagine if he played Grindelwald like he played Wonka. The stuff of nightmares, I'm sure you'll agree. Oh my um, God. And JK's recent habit of taking a sledgehammer to her earlier works... I came out of the cinema with two distinct sections of opinion. Uh, The immediate surface reaction to it as a piece of entertainment and my reaction as a huge Potter fan. I won an ultimate trivia quiz on stage with several of the actors from HP. Humble brag. That's a humble brag. That's nice. Um, Don't be humble about it. Just brag. It's fine. (laughs) The first facet of opinion was very positive. The visuals were fantastic. The music brilliant. And Depp actually gave a brilliant performance, which I enjoyed as an isolated piece of work, ignoring the context of Depp. Yep, totally 
okay to enjoy something while acknowledging that it has problems, and that includes people. Um, as a <laughs> Potterhead, I was left in a position where I'm having to reserve judgment until the Credence identity plot is resolved. Either it was a great piece of writing showing Grindelwald's skill at manipulating people, or, if he really is a lost Dumbledore, one of the most horrific, infuriating retcon destructions of earlier works in history, and will irreparably destroy my respect for J.K. Rowling. Uh, my conclusion, after trying to resolve my differing thoughts, is that I enjoy these movies as movies, but time will tell if I will enjoy them as expansions to the wizarding world. Um... My next question is a bit self-indulgent, but here you go. My birthday, 21. Ah, nice. Uh, it was last Sunday, so the 25th of the 11th. It was yesterday to when we are recording this. Yep. Belated um, 21st. Yes, happy birthday. Uh, and it was the very first time my birthday has coincided with the broadcast of Who. Uh, it really is a special feeling watching a new ep on your birthday have either of you had a birthday or special occasion coincide with the broadcast you something with of something you love the release of a movie etc anyway after all of that ramble i imagine whichever one of you has had to read this has lost the will to live for which i do apologize uh mostly have a magical pun intended week daniel potter no relation to the wizard or is there Daniel, I assure you, your, your email did not make me lose the will to live because I lost it uh, many years ago. Um, <laughs> You're also ten years too late for your Hogwarts letter, Daniel. Yes. Um, so I on hate alone. Um, so uh, do you think he's got? Nothing... A co- do you think he's got a cousin called Harry Radcliffe? Harry Rad. Oh, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> I like it. It's why they pay me some books, some um, money. <laughs> oh, I miss money. So, um, there was... Do you remember being a child and not having to worry about it? Um, So, Yarb, I... You know what? The only thing I can think of coming out around my birthday that made me go, oh my god, I've got to go see it for my birthday, is something that wasn't very good. It was a AVP Requiem. Oh, mate! And it was a big big sort of cinema trip uh, with myself and the rest of Group 1 from Pendleton. We have the... hmm, We have the problem... Uh, of having January birthdays. Yes. And nothing fucking co- good comes out in January. <laughs> like, come on. We don't go to the cinema for our birthdays. We go to the sales. <laughs> yes. Actually, I, well, I just go... I just stay indoors and, and hope the world gets quieter. Um, The world is quiet here. Yes. I remember getting... I remember when, the, on the run-up to Les Mis being released, finding out that it was coming out on my birthday... Was it and January then, release? Oh, yeah, because it was pre-Oscar yeah. season originally, wasn't it? It was the plan. And then uh, I saw the trailers for it and was like, you know what? I'm I'm all right. <laughs> and, I've st- and I've still not watched it. It's um, it's a film. Tom Hooper in it who directed it. He did the King's Speech. Mm. I mean, vi- visually... He's a very good director. <laughs> visually, it does look quite nice, but, but that's because it looks like one of the... It looks like a stage to film translation that has sort of gone we're not going to be stagey in our in our staging like it you know we're going to set it as though it is completely and how we how we would film it if we were just filming a non-musical but um, we're going to do all the but it's, it is a musical though yes true it is a musical true but it is also adapted for film so I, I i don't have a problem with them doing that for films sometimes if it means they have a point to make i mean just look at the 2004 i don't know if you've seen this actually because you've not seen the original um, look at the 2004-2005 producers. 
that was directed by whoever directed the show on Broadway at the time. So as such, is shot that way, and it just looks odd. But that's because it's a really direct translation into sets, basically. Hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't look right. I mean, it even has like applause breaks at the end of songs. Oh, that's it's, weird. It's really weird. Um, so strange. Well, I mean, uh, the thing with Les Mis is it's, it's different from a lot of movie musicals in the fact that it is completely through sung. Yeah. There's oh, no yeah. dialogue in it. It's all sung. <clears throat> tis, so... tis, tis closer to opera than the traditional musicale. Yeah. 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 Um, but Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter make really good Tenardiers, so there's that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 nothing really comes to mind in terms of things coming out on my birthday that I've been really excited about, so... Oh, well. I think you should come out on your birthday next year. Come out where? You know. Okay. <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> to yourself. No, never. <laughs> never. Be the bear. Um, uh. So... <laughs> God, mm, mm, very good, very good. Uh, is that is that the em- is that the empty mail sack? That's the my sack is empty. Oh, beautiful! And now I'm going for a bath. <laughs> you mean you don't record this in the bath? No, no, no. Only out of the bath. I've been recording this under a shower. Oh, have you now? It doesn't make any sense, but you know it does make sense. Nope, not anymore. Yeah, well, they can try. Get in touch. <laughs> BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Fantastic Beasts. Let us know what you thought of The Grinch. And while you're at it, just tell us about shit. We'll happily talk to you. You can also tweet to us at BigDamnCast on Twitter. You can catch us live yes. at twitch.tv slash BigDamnStream. And yes. of course, we're on iTunes and YouTube with content such as Adventures in Backlogging and the Big Damn Cast for free every bloody week. You lucky bastards. Yes! So uh, hop to it, squires. Yes, please um, do. Till then, uh, I'm, I I should probably go and wash me leg warmers. <laughs> I, don't, oh. I don't I don't have any yet. Though one of my oh. costumes involves them. So okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll leave you on this little mental image, dear listener. Oh god. One of the outfits I'm wearing in this is uh, inspired by the movie Fame. Oh, and as such no. is quite yeah, and as such is quite figure hugging, and it's not okay. it's not flattering, and confidence is going to sell that moment. Put it that way, uh, confidence sells lots of moments. Yeah, I'm going to be dancing in this outfit, and people are going to see every bloody ripple. It's not going to be fun, oh. but I don't give a shit. It's for comedy. I don't know. That sounds good to me. Oh baby, um, oh baby. But here's a little a little mental image to leave you with. I tried oh. it on for the first time. About five days ago. And I was looking at it and there was one thing really sticking out that was a bit of a problem. And I turned around to the costumeer and I said, uh, ha, mm. and she was like, is everything all right? I went, can you not sort of... And she went, oh yeah, no, that is... Ha. So we quickly grabbed the producer and called her over. And I said, hi, I, I, I'm not bragging. This isn't a brag. Please don't take this as any form of egotistical statement. <laughs> But could I we like have where this could, is going. could we have an extra layer over the top of the leggings? She went, what, what are you thinking? I said, just like a little pair of shorts or something. Because otherwise, the tightness of this, the front row will be able to play a it's game of be, count the veins. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's not a 3D performance. 
I don't want to poke people. Mm. Mm. So, um, my testicles. We'll see you next week, everybody. Excellent. And very good. And next week. What? Very good. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.